0: Welcome to the West Side Gathering podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in.
1: Uh, We've been in a short series this month called Relational Optics. Basically, the way we view people is how we will relate to them. And it shapes the way we relate to them. It's been a fun series, but it's been an important series. It's, it's been incredible for me to hear from various people uh, how God's been working in us, me included, and kind of um, just uh, processing uh, th- this theme this month. And, and so we're going to finish it off today with a third lens. But let me, let me ask this question as we start. Has someone ever surprised you? in such a way where you haven't seen them for a long time, and uh, then you meet up with this person, and years later, years later, you notice how much they've changed. Like, maybe you knew them in one stage of their life, and then you meet them in another stage of your life. Maybe you, were, you, you knew them uh, five or ten years ago at work, and they've moved on, and then you meet with them again, and they've just changed. And, and it's, you know, I, I've, I, that's been amazing to me. Whenever I bump into people from high school or uh, from a few years back or from different parts of my life and then meet them and realize... Oh wow! They've they've changed. There was there was a guy in my high school um, who was a who was you know, I don't know a bit of a character and a bit of a loud person as well uh, back then. And I was wondering like what's he gonna do today, you know? And so I found out like he's a real estate agent. That's not why he was loud, by the way. But but he's a real estate agent and he he talks on sports radio. And I'm, I hear his voice and I hear his name. I'm like, hey, I remember that guy from high school. And it's like, wow, that's interesting, you know, there was a, a girl in my, in my math class when I was in grade 10, and her name was Kathy, super soft-spoken uh, girl, and, uh, and, and I just always, you know, you, you meet them and you think like, well, that's kind of like their trajectory, you know, like who they're going to be, and I found out she did her first TED Talk in the States about two, three weeks ago, and I'm like, wow, Kathy did a TED Talk, that's pretty, pretty amazing, you know? Um, and i don't know about you but when you meet up with old friends like that you you wonder oh i didn't know you would that this is kind of like where you'd where you'd lead or end up there was a girl i met in bible school and uh, some people i think kind of didn't pay as much attention to her or who she was and sometimes it was like you know is she like what's her faith like how deep is her faith what are her motives and it was amazing these days, uh, as we're, we're friends on Facebook, to see like, what an incredibly strong believer she is. She has four children. Two of them are special needs kids. She serves those kids uh, incredibly. She's an advocate for special needs. And she's just a wonderful person. And it's, it just amazes me when, you see, when I see this. And I don't know about you, but you're like, oh, transformation is possible. Like people can grow and people can change. And here's this thought as we start today's theme. You do not have to be what you once were. You do not have to be what you once were. And if there's one thing I want to remind us about today, it's just this simple, simple idea. We're going to look at the scriptures in a moment. But for the last few weeks, we, we ended, we filled in the blank to these I believe statements for the people we're in relationship with. So two weeks ago, we started with, I believe you are an image bearer. That was the first theme a couple of weeks ago, the first lens we encouraged put on as we're looking at those people in our lives. The second theme was you are human. I believe you are human, and in that we also recognize that we live with a level of brokenness and so do the people in our lives. But today I want us to remind us about something we often forget. We're going to fill in the blank later with the I believe statement, but I want to, I want to just remind us about something, that, they, that the people in our lives, they are still a work in progress. This is important. I know you want to believe you're a work in progress, <laughs> but the people in your life they're also a work in progress. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to read um, part of this uh, the introduction to this first century letter to the Philippian church that Paul writes, and we have it catalogued in the New Testament. And he, he writes these words about these people, it's, it, and he's actually very encouraged by them. Um, but he, here's what he says early on in the letter. He says, I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because your partnership in the gospel from the very first day till now. He's so thankful. He's so grateful. He, he's excited about these people. As he, right, You can tell in his language that when he's thinking of them, when he's writing to them, when he's penning these words, he's thankful for them, he's praying for them, he's, he, they give him joy, like when he thinks about them or their faces or their names or how they've served together, it gives him joy. One of the reasons for this, if you continue reading the letter, is that they've been partnering with him in the gospel, also uh, even financially encouraging him in this way. But there's more to this excitement, there's more to this joy that, Paul has as he writes to these people because he's excited because, of course, he's seen these people grow in faith and love and mission and generosity. But verse six, he continues, right? He says, I'm grateful for you. I pray with joy for you. And then he says this being confident of this, of, of the things he already knows about them, but being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, as Paul thinks about them and is already joyful for them, he realizes there's more for them to grow. They're they're on a journey. They're on a continuum. In other words, as he writes to them and he pens these words, he's kind of, in other words, saying, you're not done yet. You're not just who you are today, God's still at work in you, and he's going to continue working in you. And you, as you continue to respond to him, he's going to continue to transform you. One of the main reasons Paul believes this so much is not just because of them, it's because of God. Because he says, God is the beginner, god is the one who begun this work in you and god is the one who's going to finish this work so paul's immense belief and trust in this work of transformation is is not only in them is not just that this is going to happen as they're responding but because he has an incredible belief and trust that god is a beginner and god is a finisher and that what god began in them when they heard and responded to the gospel, he will continue his work in them until it's complete. And so he writes this, these words, this little phrase here, so important for us. He who began a good work in you. Now, I know we want to read that first for us, and it is for us. But first, he's writing to these people. And who are these people? They're Christ followers that are part of this small church in Philippi under the, age, under the Roman Empire. And they're a group of people that are slowly growing in faith and slowly growing in partnership with the gospel. They're people who have said yes to the gospel. They heard the gospel. They responded to the gospel. They are now following Jesus. They are people who have received the Holy Spirit. As they've come to follow Christ, they've experienced that, that God's Holy Spirit is at work in their hearts and in their lives and in their community. And they're people, when, he, when you think of God who began a good work in you, they are people who are not isolated. They're not individuals. Maybe personally they have responded to, to faith, but they're not individuals alone. They don't have an individualistic mindset to their faith or their life. They're now part of a community. And so when Paul speaks to them, he's speaking to people who who are a community on the same trajectory of growth together as the church. And Paul tells them that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. It's not done yet. You're, You're not done yet. And while the gospel has rescued you or saved you, while the gospel has shifted your trajectory towards a life that God longs for you, while the gospel has given them this new identity, while the gospel has welcomed them into this new family and even broken down barriers among themselves and others, and while this gospel promises new creation, they're still not done yet in the moment. It's not finished. They are a work of, In progress. And so the you here, these readers that are reading this or hearing this for the first time, they have already demonstrated change in their lives because of the gospel, but they have not arrived. They're not there yet. They're still moving and growing. They're on a journey. They're learning. And there's more to come in their own transformation. And this is so encouraging for me when I read this. Because if I If I just looked at my life now, you know, we were praying today and and Ron encouraged us to to have some introspection in our lives and our hearts and I was just thinking, like, part of me would have loved to say, I'm all good, God. I'm good. We're like, you got nothing else to do in me. But immediately, (laughs) things were coming to mind and my heart was like, yes, Lord, there's this piece and this piece, you know, things I've done and left undone. That phrase is so helpful for us. But that's encouraging when I read this, that I'm not done yet. Paul admits this about himself later on in the letter. Paul admits this uh, about himself. He, he says in verse, chapter 3, verse 10, one of the, a great statement in this letter, by the way. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, I want to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. But then Paul says, not that I have already obtained all this. He admits it. Not that I have already obtained all this resurrection hasn't happened for me i haven't fully become like jesus at the moment when jesus returns not that i've already obtained all this or have already or have arrived at my goal but i press on to take hold of that for which christ jesus took hold of me Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have yet taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which, Christ, which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I mean, this is, this is a, a Paul's view of obviously eternity. But there's something in here that he recognizes. I'm not there yet. I haven't obtained all this. God is still leading me on a trajectory. Now, Paul wants to know Christ fully. He says, I want to know the fullness of his sufferings. I want to know the fullness of his resurrection. But he admits, I haven't experienced all that yet. I haven't fully grown into all that yet. I haven't obtained especially this final trajectory of the gospel, but I press forward. And this this understanding of where we are in our journey of faith and that each of us are a work in progress is really an important lens for you and me when we're in relationship with a spouse, with a friend, with a neighbor, with a sibling, with a child, with a parent. It's so important in, in, in having this lens for how we see people in our lives. And I'll kind of reiterate it with today's theme, how we've been saying it the last couple of weeks. The person you're in relationship with, maybe the person you're sitting with right now, the person you're in relationship with is not complete. Do you, do you recognize that? Yeah. The person you're in a relationship with? Yes, that's good. We can go home now. It's awesome. Um, but think about it. The person you're in a relationship with is not complete. How many saw that old movie in the 90s called Jerry Maguire? When he finds this person and then he screams out and says, you, what did he say? You complete me. That's a great movie line, but it's actually false. <laughs> Right, it, it, Like, he was still not complete, even in this moment. I know he was very excited, and it was maybe a wonderful moment, and it was a great part of the movie, and sometimes we have those feelings about certain moments, like, oh, this, this completes me until tomorrow. You complete me until I realize you're not complete, and now we have a problem. Right? So... I think Jerry Maguire lied. However, this, is, this truth, the person you're in a relationship is not complete. This is an important truth because this is true about the future resurrection promise to us. We're not there yet. This is true about who you are becoming in the process of, of who you're becoming in Christ. That we are not yet complete. And this is all over the New Testament. It's not like just... Paul writes this in the Philippian letter. This is all in the New Testament. Jesus talks about the kingdom of God growing in us like seeds. Like the kingdom of God, the message of the kingdom is being scattered like seeds. And some people catch it one way and another way or whatever. But even those who catch it are still growing. And that's that image of being a seed that, that the gospel works in us and grows. And we as people, even as individuals... As Christians, but also as humans, we continue to grow. Jesus talks about this idea of seeds. Jesus talks about how God will prune us to be fruitful. That he looks at us, and him as a gardener, and us as, as a vine or branches, that, that he wants to prune us. And the reason he wants to prune us is so we can grow, so we can be fruitful. So when you look at that, you're like, oh, oh the plant is not fully mature yet. I get it. There's still more to go. That's partly what's intended there. Paul reminds an early church, um, the book of Ephesus, he, he writes this to the church in, in Ephesus, and he reminds this church that God brings gifts into the church, apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, and such, so they can grow. And he writes this in his letter to them. He's like, God has brought these gifts in the church to equip you for works of service so you can become mature, so you can attain the fullness of Christ, so you can grow into Christ-likeness, so you can be equipped to be ministers and servants to one another and to the world around us. Paul reminds us that God has brought gifts into the church like we read today in that passage as well from, from Corinthians, and those gifts are there so we can serve one another so we can grow, so we can ultimately, when we're involved in ministry towards one another, we're growing. So we can become like Christ. And I think this is the lens that we need to put on for our relationships. Yes, I believe you're an image bearer. Yes, I believe there's a a sense, a level of brokenness that we live with because we're human. But then there's this lens for our relationships that's, that's key. And I'll fill in the last blank today. And it's this. When you're looking to the person you're with, that you would say, think these words or understand these words, I believe you are a work in progress. I believe you are a work in progress. I believe that who you are today is not who you will be in five years from now. I believe that who you are today is not who you will be or can be tomorrow. That God's at work in you, restoring you, and growing you. And that, that belief, that lens is so important. Because when we look at that person, whoever it is, a sibling, a friend, family, spouse, when we look at them, we don't have to see the end result. We don't have to say, this is it. This is, this is all they're going to be. No, they can continue to grow. They're a work in progress. God's been working in them, and we we'll, can continue to work in them. So our view of transformation shapes our view of people. Our view of the potential for transformation shapes our view of people, the people we're in a relationship with. And this is what this means very personally for you and me, that your spouse isn't all that he or she is meant to be yet. That your friend is not done growing. That your child is not done maturing. That your parents, as much as they're older than you, they have still not arrived. Like, I love my parents and appreciate them so much. and um, But I don't, my mom's not done growing yet. She's 82. She's wonderful. And I love how to see her learn and grow. And when my kids look at me as a parent, I hope they don't see the same Dave in five years from now, in 10 years from now. I hope that they see their dad also growing and becoming something. But they have to be realistic too. When they see me, they're like, oh, maybe this is not the end version of my dad. Maybe there's more that God can do in his life as he responds. And this is really good and this is really bad. Because we look at the people in our lives and we're like, well, why can't you be like this? Why can't you, why can't you be already more patient? Why can't you be more wise? Why can't you be, you fill in the blank. And I'll just flip it to you. Why can't you be more wise? Why can't you be stronger, more mature? Why can't you be more patient? Why can't I? And the reality is, is this, not, this is not an excuse to sin or an excuse for, you know, just to stay in the same place. This is, an, this is, this is a reality to say, oh, I'm not done yet. I can keep growing they can keep growing and I think this is what Paul is partly getting at when he writes this letter there's so much more to this letter obviously than this we've teased out this theme in this way but Paul's getting at this as he writes this that God began a good work in these people in this person in your life whoever it is he's not finished with them yet he wants to keep working in them so how does that change your relationship How does that change your relationship? How can you contribute to their transformation? Now, this is important. You can't change people. Please, don't go home and try and change everybody in your life today. It's like, great, now I have a mandate to change everybody around me. (laughs) That's the worst way to help them change. (laughs) Uh, the, The call is not to manufacture change or manipulate change, especially to try and force change. Uh, you know, when we do baby dedications here at, at the church, you know, there's this line that we, or this way that we encourage the parents to, to, to create a, an environment where their kids would grow and learn, but to also know that they cannot force faith onto their kids. They can nurture, they can pray for, they can speak into, they can model, they can announce, you know, kind of alert them to the kingdom of God. They can do so many things, but they can't force that interchange in their life and it's the same sometimes with some other changes too we're not called to force this change on other people but i think there's a few things we can do in our role in the relationship for the person we know which is obvious they're already they're still on a trajectory of growth one of the things paul does is he prays like paul literally prays for this church you know he tells them He's happy, he's encouraged, he's joyful for them, he remembers them in prayer, he's thankful for all these things, and he tells them, you know, God's going to continue this work, he's, he's starting in you, but then later on he says this in verse 9, he says, and this is my prayer for you, my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul prays for them. He prays that their love would grow. He prays that their knowledge would grow, their knowledge of God, that their experience and wisdom would grow, that they would have a depth of insight, that they would grow in discernment. What if we, in a very, even behind-the-scenes way, you know, Like, I know we can do this at supper. Your kids at supper, you're like, God, I pray for my son that they would be, and you just, you know, now you're praying in front of them and you're basically projecting what you want them to be in your prayer. (laughs) Amen. You look at your kid, all right? You're going to do that? Is that good? (laughs) That's not what I'm talking about. You know, you do. I'm talking about you on your own, on your knees, praying for these people in your life. God, would, would love in them grow? Would knowledge of you grow in them? God, would they grow with de- a depth of insight that is beyond their years? God, would you give them a sense of discernment and wisdom that can only come from you? God, would you, would you, would you just grow in them a hunger for you and a hunger for justice and a hunger for wisdom? Would you grow this in them? Where, where you're praying for them now, and you're not forcing it on them, but you're praying for them. And I know that's not easy because sometimes you've got to step away from the situation. Step away from the, the situation you're having in your marriage. Step away from the struggle you're having with your sibling or a friend or whatever. You have to step away from that. And, and they, they will not know. In fact, they don't need to know that you're praying for them. But that you're praying for those things for them. And you're seeking God. And Paul's encouraging this church, these people to pray that these things would grow in them, we can take this prayer and say, we're going to pray this for the people we're in relationship with. It's so important. It's so, um, I think, crucial. And there's been times in our lives, particularly uh, from my wife's experience, where sometimes she'll say, oh man, I've I've been praying for that. It's been two years, but I've been praying for that. And this started to grow. One of the people who got baptized a couple of weeks ago when we were doing the the preparation and equipping and learning i just this thought came to me as at the end of our time together and i have this little prayer app where i get reminders to pray for things and uh and i said oh my gosh i want i want you to know this that like part of what you're stepping into in these next few weeks i i mean i've been praying this has been on my prayer app since 2019 that you would come to know Jesus in this way, that even that you would know the beauty and importance of baptism. That was written in my notes in my prayer app. And sometimes I ignored the prayer app, you know. <laughs> it, uh, it, notification on my phone, I'm too busy. But not all the time. And I'd be like, no, I'm going to pray for that person. And uh, now it seems so, you know, important. You're praying for their faith and salvation, of course. But there's other things you can be praying for people. So pray for them. And then secondly, nurture an environment, a relationship that gives them space to grow, not coercive with guilt, but space to grow, space to explore, space to be themselves. And often, in that, while you're praying and you're giving this space that you're not always just pushing that. Now, I get it. Some of the relationships you're in are very different. A, a spouse relationship versus a parent-child relationship, right? Like a coworker worker they're different. So sometimes there are moments where you can't just nurture the space and you have to say, like, today's your turn to do the dishes. <laughs> You know, you're not like, we're going to nurture some space and hopefully someone's <laughs> going to walk over to the sink and pull out the soap, you know? Uh, I'm not, look, don't, let's not be naive. I'm not talking like that. But, but in general, creating a space for the people in our lives, so they, the, the kind of space they need to grow, and that nurture comes with patience. Remember, Paul's final destination that he's speaking to is the day of Christ, And there's no, we don't have a sense of when that is. We know the Bible says one day when Jesus appears, we will be like him. We don't know how long that's going to be. We would love all the people in our relationship to be exactly like Christ tomorrow. We don't know. There's a trajectory. So that nurture comes with patience because the future resurrection towards new creation is one day. But only then are we truly going to be like him. But for now, we're all dealing with works in progress. For now, we're all dealing with works in progress. And this should grow our patience for one another and towards one another. The other thing I think we can do to a certain degree when appropriate and when right, again, depending on the situation, is speak truth in love. Sometimes we need to just be bold and speak truth in love. We need to be honest with the people we're in a relationship with. When I was a teenager, I was very sarcastic. Maybe you're like, Dave, you're still sarcastic. I don't know. But I've toned down quite a bit from like when I was 15 or 16. There was a friend of mine... uh, and uh, I probably met her for the first time when I was eight or nine years old, when I, we moved to Montreal, and, and uh, she was part of the church we were part of. And it was about fifteen or sixteen. I mean, one day she just she pulled me aside, and she's like, "Dave, I just want to know. I just want you to know, you know." She was very loving and kind. She's like, "Your sarcasm sometimes hurts me." She told me that. I was like a teenager, and she's telling me that, and I felt so horrible because. I thought it was so cool being sarcastic, <laughs> but it didn't, that's not always the case, right? There's appropriate sarcasm, not appropriate sarcasm. Anyway, she told me that and that I, never, I never forget that and I realized, you know, I want to be a better friend to her. And her, her, her truth spoken to me in love alerted me to something I needed to change in myself. And our relationship got better and grew because of that. And I know her like 30 years later. And it's it's, but it was that it was that moment where she was truthful to me, that I needed to hear that, and that is also appropriate in our relationships when sometimes we need to say, when you do that, that hurts me, or when you do that, that's damaging, or you know whatever that is, to be able to be able to share that in love. The scripture says, with a heart of patience and grace, but still truth. And I think the last thing which, again, is only something we can do, we can't force, is that we can also model the change we want to see in others. How often do we judge others from our intentions and not our actions? My intention in my brain is that, is that I would be like this, therefore I'm judging you from my intention, but if it was my, according to my actions, I would fall short as well. Right? It's like, get off that phone, says the person who's on the phone. Stop wasting time, says the Netflix binger. Right? We, we, we judge by our intentions, not our actions. And so I think it's really important that we also look at ourselves and say, are we modeling the, 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 the decision-making, the, the wisdom, the love, the care, the concern, the relational dynamic that I would love to see from them in this relationship. Am I modeling that? Am I modeling this characteristic? Do, am I, am I, I am also still a work in progress. Lord, do I need to grow in this? So I'm not a hypocrite in calling that out on others in my life and not wanting to grow myself. And so I think this idea where we also, and again, not to model it in a loud way, not to put a label on your head and like, see, you know, I've, I, I'm, I'm humble. <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, you know, see, you know, like, look, look at my, look at the stats from my phone. Look how little I was on my phone this week. This is what I'm praying for you. No, uh, that, that's not, that would be like not the right way to do it. But to model the change we want to see in others. So think about that, prayer for one another, nurturing an environment, a space, speaking truth to one another. We can continue, but there's just enough here to say, what does that mean to model that? And, and here's, this is important for you and me, and especially, especially uh, if you're following Christ, if we're really going to believe that people are a work in progress, then we must be rooted in the source of the growth we believe, of the growth that we ourselves need. We need to be rooted in the gospel. We need, to, we need to be reminded of the gospel's work in us. We need to be, you know, today's the day of Pentecost. We need to be open to the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And ultimately, ultimately, it comes from embracing the gospel, the declaration that Jesus is Lord, that he has died and was buried and resurrected, and he's ascended and enthroned in his lordship, and then the, consequ- the, the subsequential work of the Holy Spirit in us ultimately that change in us comes from that ultimately well if we're really going to believe that people are a work in progress we have to believe what the gospel tells us like we said last week it it the gospel alerts us to the fact that we all live with, with a level of brokenness the gospel also alerts us to the fact that we're unconditionally loved and but we're growing and the holy spirit's at work in us and so as, as we wrap up the next, the, the, these few weeks, a short series, I don't know, maybe you might, I'd love to hear like a thought from you guys later, like, is there another lens we should be focusing on? But here, there's the three lenses for three weeks, and to keep it simple in this way. But there's this movie called National Treasure with Nicolas Cage, and he was like looking for secrets and treasures and all that kind of stuff. And he came across this, if you, if you know the movie, you know this, but he came across this sets of glasses that um, allowed him like to look at, I can't remember if it was a map or even the Declaration of Independence. But as, as he looked, he kept looking and trying to see what he wanted to see and hopeful and, uh, and he was never seeing it. And then finally he came across these glasses that were made specifically to read it in the right way. And the right combination of those lenses opened up the map to him, opened up the document. It's like, oh my gosh, now I could see what was always right in front of me, but I couldn't see it before. And I love that scene because it's so helpful for me to think about that. Like, like these three lenses we've been talking about, they, they're so simple. I mean, they're so simple. I believe you are an image bearer of God. Simple. I believe you're human. Simple. I believe you're a work in progress. Simple. But those three lenses together changes how we relate to one another. It, it, it helps us in our relationships, and I believe as we bring these lenses together, and we need all three of them, and here's two reasons why. The first reason is, I mean, we want to be treated in the same way. We want to be seen as an image bearer. We want to be seen as, as human and sometimes dealing with the level of brokenness. We also want to be understood as a work in progress. But another reason that this is so important to see these lenses is it mirrors the the whole story of Scripture. Mirrors the whole story of Scripture and the work of the Gospel. God created a good creation. He looked at all of creation and said it was good. He looked at male and female when he created them and said, this is very good. God created a good creation. But there was a a fall in that moment in Genesis chapter 3 when sin sin creeps in. And, and then there's a level of brokenness that those image bearers start to experience. And that's been part of the trajectory of the human race ever since. And I love talking to people about Genesis 1 and 2 and Genesis 3. And when they have no sense of Christianity, no sense of the Bible, they, they don't even believe anything in the Bible. And I, always, I, to, I love to tell this, and it's such a helpful conversation starter. I often say, like, like do you believe that you're created for relationship? And they often say, Yeah. Like, do you feel like there's something more than just your life? Like there's something beyond us? Yeah. What about your relationships one-on-one? Are those important? Yes. What about our relationship with the world? They're like, yeah. So do you feel sometimes that those relationships are broken? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, that's what Genesis 1-3 to tells us. God created a good creation. We're experiencing its brokenness. But he sent Christ to restore us. And the work of the Holy Spirit is work among us. And that one day we will see a new creation. That's the story of the gospel. Creation, sin, new creation. And only when we encounter Christ can we begin to see people in this way. That the gospel transforms us to see people with an intrinsic value. The gospel opens our eyes to understand the reality of our brokenness and the brokenness of others. And the gospel gives us hope Gives us hope that transformation is possible when people encounter Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, Yeah, I think we'll pray. I was going to share a short story, but we'll we'll just pray here. And I'm just going to give you a moment as we pray. Again, just think about the people in your life. Think about the people in your life. Maybe the maybe the one person comes to mind today, or the same person that's been the last few weeks that keeps coming to mind. Could be a friend, or a spouse, a child, a sibling, a neighbor, maybe a coworker. Let's just invite the whole story of the gospel to influence how we see those people. They're each created with intrinsic value as image-bearers. But they're each plagued by sin, and in their own way have been rebellious and live with a level of brokenness. Yet they're all a work in progress. And while there's a human potential for change, ultimately, ultimate change, comes when we encounter the death and resurrection of jesus the risen christ when we begin calling him lord and let him lead our lives and by that token let the holy spirit work in us are we seeing people with those lenses holy spirit as you as as you've maybe prompted us with a name or a face in our mind as we're praying right now, God. We we just we we would love to pray for everybody, but we're praying for one right now. For that one person that maybe maybe we have failed to see them with these lenses. Forgive us, God, because you see us with these lenses. You see us as your image bearers. You see us struggling with a level of brokenness you see us also as a work in progress what you started you're going to finish in us lord help us to see that person in the same way god and may that open up open up an avenue for the health of our relationship with them for their good for the good of our relationship and the overflow of what that means to the people and world around us as our relationship gets healthier. Rooted in the gospel story and the work of your spirit, we so long for that. And God, if there's anyone here today who is, who is hearing these words and so longs to, to see this happen in their life and in their relationships but have, uh, have not yet um, come to call your son Jesus Lord, Oh God, may they see that they will try these things with a deficit, that they will try these things with a lack of, of potential because ultimately, God, it's your, the gospel that transforms us and your gospel that helps us live and grow as transformed people in the relationships we're in. And so we pray that Lord, forever, whoever's here today or watching online, or maybe some of the people in our in the in the relationships we're in, God, we pray that they would come to know this story, this story, creation, fall, redemption, and new creation that we find in Christ. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.